How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Okay, before we get started, have you ever thought about doing what I'm doing right now? Starting your own podcast? Has anyone ever told you that it's complicated and you need a sound engineer, a studio, and all this major equipment to do so? Well, you don't need that. All you need is the Anchor app. It's free. They will pair you with sponsors that they find for you. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And let's start the show. Welcome to the Tea for the Clean podcast. The podcast where we try to keep our sanity in an era of staying woke. We explore current events and issues through the lens of feminism, progressiveness, peace, and love. My name is T.R. Burns. I am your host, and this is your episode. As you guys know, um, feminism is important to me, um, and it's also um, important on this show. So I like to have com- different types of conversations with all different types of women. And I came across Miss Aluma Nifemi Ologunorisa. Um, she goes by Nifemi. She's originally from Nigeria, and she currently lives in California. But she is headed to Indiana, Indiana University, to receive her PhD in African American and African Diaspora Studies in Bloomington. So her interests are sustainable development, educational innovation, girlhood studies, and black and African feminism. Um, Ms. Nefemi is very interested in how we are going to re-theorize feminism. And so she's created an actual course called Africana Feminism. And that's a term that I had not heard before, which drew me to bring her, bringing her on the show. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not just an online course, but she sees it as an experimental movement. wants to raise the voices and the raise the feminist consciousness through the lives of women of African descent, which is a wonder, very wonderful thing. I'm all into um, inclusive, inclusive feminism. I think that feminism is intersection and it's important to bring in all voices because two, you can not, never have too many people at the table with feminism. Well, that's arguable. But, um, but Miss Nefemi As you guys know, um, feminism is important to me, um, and it's also um, an important 
important on this show. So I like to have kind of different types of conversations with all different types of women. And I came across Miss Aluma Nifemi Ologunorisa. Um, she goes by Nifemi. She's originally from Nigeria and she currently lives in California. But she is headed to Indiana, Indiana University, to receive her PhD in African American and African Diaspora Studies in Bloomington. So her interests are sustainable development, educational innovation, girlhood studies, and Black and African feminism. Um, Ms. Nefemi is very interested in how we are going to re-theorize feminism. And so she's created an actual course called Africana Feminism, and that's a term that I had not heard before, which drew me to bring her, bringing her on the show. Um, it's not, uh, it's not just an online course, but she sees it as an experimental movement. She wants to raise the voices and the raise the feminist consciousness through the lives of women of African descent, which is a wonder, very wonderful thing. I'm all into uh, inclusive, inclusive feminism. I think that feminism is intersection and it's important to bring in all voices because two, you can not, never have too many people at the table of feminism. Well, well that's arguable. But, um, but Miss Nefemi... wants to start a dialogue between black and African feminists um, and even I guess you can say womanist um, because we all experience feminism differently so I have her on the show we talk about so many things um, from my favorite feminists from the experience of the African woman and also what she has seen since she's been to been inside America and experiencing feminism. So I really want you guys to listen carefully, enjoy the show. Um, if you guys have any feedback or you want to get in touch with her first, she um, if you want to get in touch with her, let me know and I will um I'll see if it's okay. But if you have any questions, you know, just hit me up and I'll see you. And I'll see you. And I'll see you on the other side of this interview. so many things um, from our favorite feminists, from the experience of the African woman, and also what she has seen since she's been to, been inside America and experiencing feminism. So I really want you guys to listen carefully, enjoy the show. And I'll see you on the other side of this interview. I'm doing well. I um, 
you can turn your um your video off if you want to. I'm actually in the UK right now, so wow, it's uh 2 a.m. So uh, oh my god, okay. <laughs> I actually have on my bonnet, so you definitely don't want to see me like this. <laughs> oh my god, when did you travel? Um, I got here. Oh man, um, on the tenth, June tenth is when I got here. Ooh, oh my. I would have freaked out if I was traveling now. <laughs> I actually it wasn't that bad. The airport was empty. Oh. Um, actually, the everything was basically wrapped in saran wrap. Um, on the flight getting here, there were only thirty people on my wow. flight, so it was um, it was actually kind of cool. Very quiet. I didn't have any problems even going through customs. They just told me I had to quarantine. Um, That's really good, like, few people. Mm -hmm. So, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Just trying to stay sane right now. Okay. So. Are you on lockdown still? Um, yes, there is, but people are still moving, so, yeah. My head California is about to go on another lockdown. So yeah. I don't know how that will turn out. Yeah, it's um it's to California right now is kinda like Texas. Um I came from Texas and um Texas is about to go back on lockdown too. I'm it's it's just it's very tragic, but Oh my god. Yeah. But we all have to stay safe ultimately. That's the important yes. thing. Very, very important thing. I read your bio. Do you mind just sharing a few things about yourselves with the listeners? Um, okay. So, um, my name is Oluwane Femi Olobunrisha. But you can call me Nifemi, yes. Okay, so, it means God loves me. Okay. Or God loves me, yes. Okay. And um, I'm from Nigeria, and I currently live in California. Um. I just um, recently um, graduated with my master's in applied gender studies from Claremont Graduate University, and I am heading to Indiana University, Bloomington, to begin my PhD in fall in the Department of African American and African Diaspora Studies. Some of my research interests are in girls' studies, global gender issues, sustainable development, and um, innovative education. And so during this lockdown, one of the things I did was to create a course on Africana feminism, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited to talk about with you today. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, what exactly is Africana feminism? Right now, I call it an experimental movement. Okay. And so when I started Africana feminism, I started it as an online course because I wanted to know what women of African descent were doing. And so while I created like social media pages for it, I realized that it was more than just a course, it was a larger conversation. And that even in the class, women, for example, um, from maybe North Africa, did not know a lot of things about women in West Africa. And even when people talk about feminism, particularly African feminism, People often talk about it from a Western, from a West African perspective because they know people of African feminists like Shimamanda. Mm -hmm. And so I want to move out of that space that you need to know other Black women like Audrey Lord, Angela Davis. And so 
why do I say it's an experimental movement as we engaging in this kind of intersecting conversations about black feminism and African feminism together. So it's just like, how do you know about the experiences that women in the diaspora are going through? So, because I, um, I think in um, Angela Davis, um, I think um, freedom is a constant struggle. She talks about the fact that I want you to understand that whatever is happening in Palestine is also in relation to what's happening in Ferguson. And so that, that really caught me because it was like, whatever is happening in the US is also in relation to whatever is happening maybe in Nigeria or in Senegal. So those kinds of conversations. Um, now, when you say that what's happening in the US is also happening in Nigeria, it's actually interesting. I, I got into not a heated discussion with, um, but a, um, an interesting conversation with my, uh, my stepdad yesterday because I try to basically tell him about the experience of racism in um, the United States versus uh, the experience um, in Africa with racism. So me and him, we kind of, he just, he basically, you know, was like saying, oh no, you don't like this person, you're a racist, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, technically those who are oppressed can't really be racist because of the, the whole the way is completely set up because my under and you can correct me if I'm wrong as a scholar. Um, my understanding is that racism is the theory, discrimination is the action, and prejudice is the thought. That's how I've summed it up. Um, so I just want to know, as far as when it comes to fe- feminism, connect the dots between uh, the two because a lot of people feel that the black experience um, in the black experience in the diaspora is in, is intersection, but it's not necessarily connected. One of the questions that I asked in my black feminism cause description was, what does blackness, what does it mean to be black and be African? And what does blackness mean to people, for example, in Morocco, Tunisia, and even I think Egypt, because it's a different kind of conversation. And so while you were speaking, I think that, what do you call it, we have intersecting issues at the same time, we still have specific problems that we deal with because of that geographical location. And so, let's say, the, for example, I think um, when it comes to conversations about black, or about feminism in itself, there's as picking classes on on black feminism because of course i am a black feminist and so one of the things i what did you say i said i am too (laughs) yes right i think it's it's really it's just beautiful because it's changed my life because i think black feminism has helped me a lot because it has made me to understand myself and even love myself because it's just really beautiful and so some of these things that or some of the changes or growth that I I encountered from black feminism I'm interested in how to push it or how to take it beyond um, maybe like the United States to many African countries and so um, when we're talking about like intersecting problems within black feminism you often realize that there are not um, a lot of conversations on women in on on black women in the diaspora or women of African descent, and so you realize that oftentimes the voices of African women, particularly, are not really heard. 
and so when you when it comes to conversations about about race and even like sexuality many of these kind of conversations it's still intersecting because still intersecting because um you have um questions like uh, or situations like colonialism and so it's just the way like the people or the women in in those countries have been what do you call it like geared towards thinking about a specific issue would you mind bridging the gap between um the statement that you made where you said that what's happening in i think you said nigeria is also happening in ferguson um just connecting those two because um is they're often talked about those places are talked about as having completely different issues um so i just want to know from your um expertise how are they both connected how are the issues connected yes so one of the things that people often say is that feminism is an african and so while um developing the class on africana feminism and also being a black feminist myself i realized that the problem is not that feminism is an african but that many times or oftentimes african women have not had the language to capture um, their experiences and so i'm going to be talking about mostly observations from my class and so you, you have um questions now or movements now like say her name africa me to africa me to nigeria all of these movements or developing social movements have actually come from the ongoing um activities activities or ongoing movements in the united states and so these are one of the ways when i say whatever is happening in the United States is also a reflection of what's happening in Nigeria. For example, if you see um, the recent crisis in Nigeria right now where a lot of women, not just in Nigeria, but in South Africa, in Sudan, a lot of women have been con- 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 raped about twice in a week and then they don't, they don't just rape them, they murder them also. And so you see this uprising in different places like you realize that many African women right now tend to reflect. So it's just like the post-Arab Spring also, or not the Arab Spring also, like some of the things that were ongoing during the um, um, Arab Spring, some of the activities that took place or some of the things that Tunisian women did. You could see that women in Algeria, women in Sudan, many of these women were, what do you call it, um, terrorizing some of the um how powerful is the cox network so powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away connecting to remote operating room giving a whole new meaning to the term house call operation complete the cox network with gig speeds everywhere it's internet built for tomorrow today cox bringing us closer in cox serviceable areas speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms apply other restrictions may apply when we made our mcdonald's spicy chicken mcnuggets you were praise hands emoji then we ran out and you were streaming tears emoji now they're back so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji order ahead on the mcdonald's app Break out the party hat emoji, because a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets is just $2.50. And if that's not enough, try a spicy McCrispy or a spicy deluxe McCrispy. And if that's not enough, there's always the sauce. 
Price and participation may vary. The um, social movement tactics that were being used, and so that's why I keep talking about like being in relation with each other. Okay, I understand. So you're saying that the um, the movements are pretty much moving in the same, not the same way, but in the same with the same tactics and some of the similar ideals. Yes. Who are your feminist heroes? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I think, so there's um, Patricia Hill Collins. Um, her book on Black feminist thoughts just, it really changed my life and changed the way I used to think or the way I think about intersectionality mm-hmm. in itself. And so um, Kimberly Kenshaw, She's, mm-hmm. I really love her because her frame. I was just like, what does it mean to have a framework? And I think that's something that not is kind of missing within African in within African feminism. And so I also like Angela Davis, um, mm-hmm. Audrey Lord, mm-hmm. Wangari Mataya because Wangari Mataya she's from Kenya, and um, I really like the way she makes me think about feminism and sustainable development. And so that's something that I think that people need to start thinking about. Um, who else? I just have a Chimamanda Adichie, definitely. Um, Lema Gori. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot. <laughs> so I'm just like going to keep naming them. But yeah. I, I get I it. Yeah. I, with me, I can actually go on and on and on about black feminists that I just absolutely adore so I understand if that was a heavy question for you (laughs) what about you right now I've really been into Brittany Cooper um and of course I've been going back and reading Bell Hooks books but I'm not sure have you heard of Eloquent Rage no oh it is so good okay Uh, Brittany Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me about her. She is, she's, she's a black American. Um, she's raised in the South, similar to my upbringing, raised in the church. And she is, a, I believe she teaches in the, um, in the Northeast of the country, but she teaches feminism and she's been on a lot of platforms talking about the black feminist experience and the experience of the black woman and intersectionality. And she just has mm-hmm. this, 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 at this outlook on feminism and her approach to it is just like everything that it's just like it's wakened up something in me um especially how we um as black women experience religion um and how um she even acts basically asks like instead of saying that okay well we need a lot of male leaders um what if we're just actually just matriarchal people what if we're not supposed to be patriarchal so um yeah that's if you if you get her book it's called eloquent rage it's a yes, fan i need because i need to like recommend it to my class so. it is really and it's it's if you give it to your class it is not a long read at all but it is very it's it's very nourishing <laughs> i was going to say it's good fruit but it is very 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 nourishing um but I asked that question of who your um who or who inspires you as a feminist because um it's for 
the phases of feminism, um, it's easy to know. Um, if you, Susan B. Anthony, Angela Davis, um, yes. the list goes on and on. And a lot of these names that I can just list off are women in Western society. Um, so why do you think that the face and the voices of feminism that are propelled to the front, why do you think they do not feature um, women from different cultures around the world? I think, um, I don't know, I keep speaking about African feminism because I feel, because what do you call it? I moved over here. And so I have questions like, what does borders mean, particularly when it comes to feminism? And so when you're, I'm going to speak from my own standpoint um, of being a Nigerian. And so, for example, when you're in Nigeria, you think that everything revolves around you. That's something. But then you move and then you realize that the world is definitely, like there's so much to the world. And so when you're speaking about feminism and African feminism, you tend to realize that African feminism is, what do you call it? It doesn't just exist in um, um, a box. It's, there are multiples of African feminism. And so West African feminism is different from North African feminism. And so when you think about feminism in itself, many of the books I had read while I was in Nigeria were usually by white feminist scholars. And so I think this was actually one of the reasons why I also wanted to teach Africana feminism because you don't even realize that feminism is supposed to be intersectional. Feminism is supposed to capture the experiences of not just um, this, you know, like white feminism, but like the experiences of other women of color in, in the society. And so I think it's also like, who is, for example, as, as an academic, who is teaching the class? And so I was very fortunate to have been taught by a lot of great professors, great, like really great black professors who like really taught, about, taught us about positionality, about um, systemic oppression, all of these kind of conversations. And I think that this is one of the ways that they've made me understand like some of the, the feelings or the shortcomings of feminism in itself. So, so I, I hear that you you were studying feminism before you while you were in Nigeria. What oh, you know? No. Have you you weren't? I wasn't. So um, no. I studied English in Nigeria, but I was interested in um, in feminist work. So what has been the difference between your um, experience? as a feminist here in versus in Nigeria and you said that um that you weren't interested you were studying English back home is that correct yes yes so how did you um go from English to studying um sustainable development and educational development and innovation okay um <laughs> so I while doing my undergrad not even from my undergrad, I think while I was in, so you have high school here, but we have, we call it secondary school in Nigeria. And so during my secondary school, I realized that so a lot of things that I felt were unjust and I started to speak up against it. And then I started to read um, the works of Chimamanda 
and then I began writing. I had the blog then, and I began writing about some of the experiences that African women used to face or the violence against. And so, during my uh, my for my undergraduate thesis, I wrote a work on masculinity. And when I came to the United States, when I was speaking to my professor, who is also my mentor, Dr. Peckham, I was telling her that I wanted to do works on masculinities, and she said why masculinity? I said, oh, because my undergraduate professors who were men said, I think masculinity is, is a big, um, like it's a, um, it's a development I think we think you need to tap into. And so she looked at me. And so over time, I came back to her and also told her about how I did and um, I was I worked with sustainable development in Nigeria and I even had like a um, I created a small um, or a kind of initiative one girl one path to talk about the intersection between period poverty and girls and so I realized that I loved doing things on girls a breaking point for me speaking with her and making her understand some of my backgrounds and then that was the way um, I started to. Um, do things on um, gender studies and feminism. And so it's just been a really, like, really good point in my life. Because I think mentorship is, because especially like having um, black women mentors, because they have a way of um, putting you in track, making you to see the vision that you're supposed to see for yourself. So amazing um something about a black woman mentoring you is kind of like she's um i guess you can say sharpening a knife versus um molding clay (laughs) um there's a very big difference in having a black woman as a mentor um and it's something that I, i definitely appreciate about us especially with black women whether no matter where we're from there's something that happens when a friendship or some you know a friendship or a mentorship takes place it's like um I guess you can say it's magical <laughs> um yes. to stick with what Twitter will say um but I think it's now my next question to you is so I did do a little bit of research um I watched a few TED talks um <laughs> on um african feminism and what i kind of got from it was that um feminism and um for feminism and i guess most of these women were from western african countries and western africa um is more about allowing women to have a say so in their own communities um versus the um individual um nothing not saying there's nothing anything wrong with the individual um individual ideals and propelling themselves as individuals but it seems as if a lot of the voice what they were saying is that women should have more power in the say so in their communities is that correct yes of course women should be should have their own agencies to be able to um take charge of whatever um, not just their opp- opportunities, but definitely, I think I agree with you. Yeah, and because um, one thing that I've always like, because you know, there's been a few waves of, of feminism, and um, there at, at one time it was like a lot of women were just saying, "Okay, I just want a better, you know, I want a better job," but yes. I think that um, for in the, and like you say, 
if it's happening over in Nigeria is also happening in um, in America. Uh, when I talked to the womanist on the previous on a few episodes ago, she her her entire reasoning behind being a womanist and being um, and not being considered a black feminist is because she's felt that um, black feminism and just being a feminist did not necessarily focus on um, the community and the woman's place in the community. Um, do you, what do you think about the whole, you know, debate of womanism versus uh, black feminism? So this is an interesting conversation because during my first, for the first um, class for, of my Africana feminism, the, top, the topic was mapping out feminism. And so I was speaking with a friend that one of the things I noticed was that the, in my black feminism class, one of the things we do is just the same way that Patricia Hill Collins students says, like we are rejecting that whole idea of feminism. We, um, we embrace black feminism because feminism most of the time is very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. And so during my, um, my Africana feminism class, one of the first things that my students did, they were like, no, I don't believe in womanism. I believe in feminism as a whole. And so I started to realize that I think moving across borders is, has a way of changing the ways that you think. And so I was really shocked because I was like, oh my God, this is not my black feminism class. And this kind of conversations will not even come up. But then I started to understand some of the reasons why they were like, oh no, we, we prefer to be called feminist than to be called womanist. And so you realize that, I think like I said before, many African women, they engage in social activism, but they don't have a language to capture it. And so most of the times, what they always do is referiorizing, referiorizing. And I think that that's a very big, um, like that's something that's very distinctive about, um, about, African femi- about African feminism. I don't know, for me, I prefer to be called a Black feminist, but definitely I also like um, humanism. But for Black, fem- for Black feminism, I feel like it's not just about Black women themselves, but how do other social um, actors or how do other actors in the society, how can they be involved towards, um, as allies towards pushing the agendas of women to the forefront? So that's one of the reasons why I like um, Black feminism specifically, because it's like, it's not, you, uh, we, we cannot just win a war on our own. You also need allies. And I think that, for me, this is one of the um, distinctive things about Black feminism. So, yes. Do you have any questions for me? Mm, I think one of the conversations I'm interested in is um, thinking about Black feminism and sustainable development. I think that's very important. And so... Probably that's a question for you, like, how do you think or in what ways do you think about Black feminism and sustainable development? When you say sustainable development, do you mean like development of land, of economic development? I think it goes like, 
whatever kind of development you're thinking about i think it's it goes there i think it's like in in 10 years from now in 20 years from now what do you think is the vision of black feminism this is this is just Tierra's Tierraology. <laughs> um, I think that the concerns of Black women across the entire diaspora um, are are the ideals and the concerns that will uh, propel all oppressed people for to be to not being oppressed. Um, with that being said, um, as far as sustainable development, I see that. And I feel that Black women will be the ones, um, especially in our community, to lead the way as when it comes to sustainable de- development. Um, when I hear development, I hear what the words I connect to that are economic and um, and empowerment. Um, now, I know for a fact that Black women are the largest growing group of entrepreneurs in this country. And I believe that's the case in other countries as well. Um, and that's actually what I did my um, my capstone project and for on for my undergraduate um, degree. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, yeah, that's just that's five ten years from now. I see that the seeds of entrepreneurism and economic um, strides being sown by Black women today will bring forth very beautiful trees of fruit five, ten years from now. Does that make sense? That's, that's really beautiful because I like the fact that you kept on talking about trees because I, I don't know, I feel like I've grown so much to the extent that I, I don't know, I, I keep speaking from an African perspective and I realize that there's something with women, with women of African descent and trees. Like it's just really beautiful because I watch a lot of documentaries and I don't know if you've watched Taking Roots by Wangari Mathai and you see, for example, what did you say? I said I have not, but I will. <laughs> like really, really good. And I think she said one of the things that really caught How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply my attention was when she said um we wanted to give these women trees to plant but then we realized that it was not going to be sufficient and so we told them to go and look sorry we, we wanted to give them seeds rather to plant and so we realized that that was not sustainable and so one of the things they did 
all these women to look for seeds and plant trees. And so that was the way that the Green Belt movement actually like developed. And so like when I'm talking about trees, I realized that there's an intersection between trees and the growth of women, particularly in many African countries, in the ways that colonial taking roots in our problems. And so you see that when women, when there are no trees, for example, in a society, it tends to affect the reproductive rights of women. You realize that, what do you call it, the kind of trees that they are planting, they're not even planting trees because instead they are planting cocoa and um, cocoa um, and um, I've forgotten the other thing that is, that is really like a big market in Africa. But then you realize that when they're planting all of these things like cocoa, the Western society tends to feed on all of these things and it tends to increase, for example, child labor in Africa. So children from Congo uh, are being kidnapped and taken to a, a farmland somewhere to be, um, to, be, um, to be harvesting cocoa. And then you also realize that when they don't plant trees and necessary um, veg vegetables for them to eat, uh, their children end up suffering from, like, for example, kwashoko, or even so many iron deficiencies. And it's just, like, really beautiful to see that. It's, like, amazing, because it's, like, these are things that I think people normally do not think about, like, the ways that trees, environment have, um, can contribute to the development of women. So it's just, the Af this African feminism class has been, awakening for me that's why i call it an experimental movement because it's still ongoing and yes we, we keep on knowing more about each other that kind of thing i think even in my class we also have conversations on not just bodies and so when i ask the question what does it what does blackness even mean or what does blackness mean in some particular african countries we have conversations about albinos i don't even know albinos Yes, I do. I have um, I have an albino cousin um, and an albino friend back home in Detroit, Michigan. But so I, I mm -hmm. yes. So like you realize that how, it, people, these are the kind of conversations I want in in not just black feminism but feminism itself. Because you realize that we don't talk about women living with disabilities or even like albinoids. And so, like, one of the things, like, when we're talking about bodies, intersection, and queering African feminism, I made sure that conversations about albinos were included because I, I realized that these were conversations I, didn't, I don't have while I'm here. And so it's just important to see, like, the ways that um, these kind of bodies are, are, what do you call it, are performing in different social settings, particularly in Tanzania, where, like, they harvest them and use them for rituals. And so these are the kind of conversations also that I've been like bringing up in Africana feminism class, what it means to be an albino and not even as a woman and not even have access to jobs. So these are just the kind of conversations that, yeah, I've been having and so with my students and they've been really wonderful. So. Wow. Now um, you said they've been harvesting albino people and using yes. them for is it are they considered to be um sacred or something of that yeah. sort and so the the idea of being different uh, like many of the times they you they many of these 
um, people that you harvest them think there's, there's something about um, Ibanians' body parts that would give them riches or make, make them rich, rather, this kind of conversations or protect them from a harm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think in my last class, we did something on, um, I think viol- we've been looking at violence against women. And then you realize that um, in Congo, one of the reasons why they rape women, for example, is not just um, it's not just that violence also, but the ways that they think that by raping women, it, it gives them this, um, they call it this superior power. So it's a kind of voodoo like that. Or like, it's just like really, really bad in the ways that people think about women's bodies and what women's bodies can do to them. It is just, yeah. So our, um, our women's bodies um, and I'm not, I don't like, I don't want to generalize and say in, in Africa, but I'm, I'm just going to say, um, well, how would you prefer me to refer to um, when I'm speaking of um, how women are um, treated and how their body, how their bodies are um, valued in, in Africa? Should I just say in African culture? Um, yes. Is African culture okay? Um, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, 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 well, I just wanted to know, like, are women's bodies sometimes viewed as um, instrumental, whether it be for um, gain or um, or even just for children? Are they just viewed as, because I've never heard of, of um, it, you know, rape being connected to something to do with voodoo or even um, sacrifice in, or even in a spiritual sacrifice out um, in this modern world in, the, in 2020. Definitely. Are the, you know, basically I'm asking, are women's bodies seen as um, just gateways of, for what sometimes what men want? Yes. Yeah. Um. Um, so I just wanted to say that the document, because I I always um prescribe or yeah prescribe documentaries because I think that it's it's a really great way of learning. And so the documentary that we watched in where, where um soldiers were raping women and seeing it as um a way of um a way of protecting themselves was um rape in the Congo. So that's the title of the documentary. But yes, when you look at women's bodies, particularly in many African countries, so there's just a different kind of conversation. And so, for example, you see that in many African countries, you realize that women's bodies have been an instrument in protest. And so, even from the documentaries about, for example, Pray the Devil Back to Hell, about um, what was happening or the, the social movement that took place in in Liberia and how they um, they dethroned um, what's his name Taylor. You realize that when an Af- I don't know how it is here, but in Af- in African in many African countries, we, re- we realize that there's a connection between sacredness and women's bodies. And so you realize that when an African woman, particularly an older African woman, um, what do you call it strips um, strips in the open. It's a statement. And so it means that whoever looks at her, particularly younger men, when they look at her, it means that she's indirectly causing them. 
And so because the, she as the woman is equivalent to um to their mother and it's it's like a taboo to look at a woman's um nakedness particularly a woman that is older than you and so you see that what you call it women's bodies even in general have been used in different kinds of in different kinds of ways and so you even realize that for example like now in north africa you I think this is also another conversation, like one of the reasons why I also started Africana Feminism, that sometimes people tend to think that North Africa is different from, from African feminism themselves because they are often categorized under, for example, um, Islamic feminism mm -hmm. or, um, not this, or North African feminism because it's like the kind of conversations they are having is different. And so you have questions about the veil and so you see that, for example, I think it's in Tunisia. I can't really remember the specific country in North Africa. You have the, the there's something they call the blue bra, a protest. And so you see that it's like um, a taboo or a sac it's sacred to see a part of a woman's body. And I think that these are the kind of visibilities that African women have been um, clamoring for that. I think a woman should have the right to her own body the woman should have the right to dictate the ways she wants to, the way she sees her body. And so you also have questions like abortion. Abortion is still, um, what do you call it? It's still controversial in many African countries. And so it's like, you, you have conversations like people telling um, women how to, what, how to dictate um, whatever kind of decisions that they make. So definitely, I think this is, that's why I said, I, I really like black feminism because black feminism is really paving a way because it's like sometimes when we think we have no language, black feminism, they are right, like black feminists are writing, they are not just writing, they are also out there, they are also engaging in practice in different kinds of social movement. And I think that it's always good, for example, when you have a role model, you are seeing the thing the ways that things are being done over here and then we are appropriating it oh this is how it is over there how can we change the language of that social movement to capture our own experiences so it's just it's definitely an ongoing conversation because you see that women's bodies are just used in different kinds of ways so i think in the in my class last week one of the because i always try to make sure that for example, if I'm talking about, if, if we have a conversation, for example, about the uses of erotics in Africa, for example, I try mm -hmm. to bring Audrey Lord's um, um, uses of erotics in conversation with what's happening in Africa. And so when we were talking about rape, for example, as a weapon of war and the intersection with women's bodies, I brought up, I don't know if you know Fred Moten, and so I brought up his necropolitics on how he talks about the doubling, the like how women's bodies exist in doubles. And that so when a woman is raped, for example, it's not just a private shame for her, but then her body becomes equivalent to a country. And so when they rape her, they are not just raping her, but then they're also raping a country. They are also, and like he talks about doubling also in the ways that when they rape a woman, they're raping, if she's married, they're indirectly raping her husband. And I'm just like, this is just really, this is really, I wanted to say fucked up right now, but like, this is really messed up because it's like, the woman becomes a property or an object mm -hmm. that can just, that is 
that is replaceable rather sorry like yeah. replaceable invisible those kind of conversations and so it's just really problematic now why do you think that the woman's body um is why she's not seen as an individual and rather just a representation or an object of of war in that case why why is it that way i think that it's because of the ways that that's like the different societies have been conditioned to think about women's bodies and so that's in my in my black feminism class so most of the time when we're talking about bodies or even um questions on who is a woman i or i often ask that question i always say that the ways we're looking at this particular subject is different from the ways we're looking at it in Africa because you have to talk about, like, the question of feminism is so important in Africa because you have to look at what took place before post um, the pre-colonial era mm -hmm. and then what was the impact of colonialism on, um, on feminism in Africa. And so these are conversations. So you realize that the ways that a woman used to function in her society. And so you realize that in pre-colonial era, women, in, in most cases, in many countries, did have a voice, particularly, because like, for example, when you're talking about Igbo women in Africa, Yoruba women in, sorry, not Africa, in Nigeria, they did have a voice. They stood up against, um, what do you call it, um, this um, intruders, this Western intruders. And so you realize that, it, it, you, it's a really um, in, um, deep, deep conversation in the sense that colonialism and Christianity have, or, like, it's, it's one of the ways that it has changed the ways that um, people are looking at women's bodies, those kind of conversations. So I think that colonialism has, um, like, it has really affected the ways that people have been thinking about women's bodies, because I think that we did have our own kind of of um, agency before colonialism. So yeah. yeah, and I I agree with you on that. I um I've hypothesized and talked to a, a lot of people, like letting them know that I think that um, patriarchy and the entire structure of women versus men is a is an um is a product of colonization. Yes. And what 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 was there before we were colonized before the trans the transatlantic slave trade what was that you know what was it before um and i get into this conversation with men who you know want to tell me that oh a woman should follow a man there's she should do this and this is this is the way it's always been this is how it's going to be and my thing is okay this is something we actually learn you're you're telling me this based off of a book which is the bible that was given to us by colonization yeah. so what if that was not there what you know how how would we be operating just think you know that's that's how i feel like how what what would it what would we be what would our roles in society be if there was no colonization or even no acceptance or um acceptance of the structure that was given to us by i love when you said intruders um do you know anything or have you heard or and you know read of anything of how um how 
gender roles were in African culture before colonization? Yes, I have, I think, so one of the, like, also, like, questions in my class was using the past to understand the present and also prepare for the future. And so I'm really, I've really, I've read um, a lot of books by Chinya Achebe and even um, um, Chimamanda, and not just even them, but like other, um, um, what do you call it, writers in, from Nigeria. And so you realize that, I don't know, some of the um, books I've read and the ways I've Nigeria, you realize that in, I think the Igbo, the Igbo um, system. And so, okay, so I also wanted to say that the Igbo in 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 Nigeria was one of the it was it was a bit difficult for the Western intruders to um to the control or take take over because they did not have this kind of um how do you, how would I describe it they didn't have this kind of um maybe this kind of system of hierarchy and so with the things I've learned, with some of the things I've learned in class, you realize that the oldest person is actually the person that um, that is in charge of the community. So it's it's like really really different. And so even like when you look at what's happening, for example, in northern northern Nigeria, because I'm speaking from like my perspective from northern Nigeria, you realize the impact of of what you call it the of the Arab culture into the the um what do you call the northern society in nigeria and how the arab culture disrupted many gender roles or many ways of thinking about and um, women's roles in the society and so when you look at um that's why i keep talking about the about and women's movements for example in in nigeria which the about women's movement these are many evil women and so you see the ways that they've been organizing how they've been speaking out against um, what do you call it, um, Western intruders in Nigeria, you see that they did have agencies, but then when you look at the impact of Christianity, where it says that a woman should be submissive, and so you see that but many years after, look at what's happening now, you realize that Christianity is being used in a different kind of way to subjugate women, and so oftentimes they only talk about women's submission without actually speaking about the ways that the what are the duties of her husband towards her and so but then like with some of the books i've read from from what do you call it chinia chebe from chimamanda you realize that what do you call it? it's it's a taboo for a man to beat a woman but then you it, when you look at what um colonialism has done you realize that most of the time it's it tells women what they're supposed to do without actually um, also, um, what do you call it, conceptualizing on what men should also do. And so right now, I feel like I'm speaking in binaries, but I think that, what do you call it, these are like ongoing conversations we are having also in Nigeria. And I think it reflects, it's a way of also reflecting like, um, the um, anti-gay laws in like in Nigeria and how it's been hostile towards um queer people. So yeah, I think I just moved right now. No, you're good. Um, I like what you said about um 
about, you know, it says what women should do, basically what women should do to avoid getting beat by their husband, but not necessarily what men should do not to beat their wives. Um, I I completely agree. And I think as you said, you feel like you're speaking in the binary. Um, It should be saying, okay, well, how can we just avoid violence altogether? How do we avoid violence? Um, And that's another reason why I think you should definitely read Brittany Cooper's book um, because she talks about, she talks about um, church and how um, it is not, you know, it doesn't necessarily teach the the most positive messages to women. And I even had a conversation with my mother. Um, She was telling me how she really admired this bishop and she admired him because he was saying okay he's tell he's saying to women oh if your husband cheats on you you should just leave him and you should do this and you know this is what you should do you shouldn't let that man in your house if he's doing this and that and i said well mom that's not really feminism because if it's true feminism it would say okay what should the man be doing so that you know to keep peace in his house maybe he should be faithful to his wife it it should show you know guidance on both parts and i really take um chimamande's um her definition of feminism to heart when she says that it's the social political and economic and belief of the equality of the sexes correct me if i'm wrong um but i've listened to enough beyonce to know um but i think that is very very fair um to me feminism also it goes against the the habitation not habitations but the um I guess you can say the limitations that our our patriarchal society places on men as well. Um, what what ways do you think that um, patriarchy has limited men in our society today? Mm, I think so. When you were speaking about feminism from Chimamanda's perspective, mm-hmm. so I, I started to think about um, Ama Adao. I think she's from um, Ghana. So I said to think it because I during the first class we talked about mapping out feminism and she said I really like her definition of feminism. A, fem, a feminist is a person that um, I think is is um, looking towards um, the goal of empowering women and I think that I really like that because that was like really really beautiful because I think that I think maybe I should ask you the question: Can a man be a feminist? I think that's a conversation. Yes. Um, based on Chimamande's um, definition of feminism, definitely. Um, I, I ultimately, it to me, it's about the belief that um, there is equality that needs to happen, and it comes to you. Um, this equalness comes whether no matter what however you identify as, as your gender or even what you were you know what you were assigned what whatever gender you were assigned at birth um so I do think that a man can definitely be a feminist do you yes so I think that's one of the that's why I keep on talking about like I, I like sheep because of course there's a difference between what you call it centering yourself as a man inside the experiences of women. And so I think that's why you, you have conversations of what it means to speak for and speak about people. 
And so I think like positionality is very important, but at the same time, yes, I think, yes, a man can actually be uh, a feminist because I think that that's like, that's why I asked you the question of what do you think? Yes, definitely. Why do you do so? I've talked to a lot of men, even in dating and friends and everything, and I've said, okay, I've talked to them about feminism because it's hard for them not to know that I'm a feminist. I'm pretty proud about it. Um, but I've said to them, okay, well, you know, do you think you're a feminist? And they say no. And the first thing I hear is that, okay, well, feminists hate men. And we get to talking a lot and I tell them, okay, well, this is what feminism is. And I tell them based on the principles and things that you've shared with me, you are a feminist. It's just that there's something going on with you and connecting to the word. Why do you think that men are, are, do not want to call themselves feminists? So, um, during my when I was in secondary school, I used to receive messages because then that was I think I re, I started to hone my um my feminist consciousness and then I used to receive a lot of messages that oh you're going to hell um what do you call it what you're doing is is not Christian like all of those kind of conversations and so even right now I have people come up to me and say oh I saw your picture and you don't look like a feminist or you don't you're not the you're not like other feminists that I have met. And I said, I don't understand. And I said, oh, you're not angry. And I said, oh, my God. So you, like, I'm like, you don't have the right to tell me how I should utilize my anger. You don't have the right to tell me that this is the way I should fit or this is the way you think my feminism should should be. And so I think that people often have that um not even people, men generally, they often have that um, stereotype about who they think a feminist is. And so I, that's why I really talk about um, um, Ama Adao's, um, what do you call it, her definition of feminism, that feminism is an ideology and that a feminist is a person who believes in the potential of women to get to the highest possible level of development. Mm. And so whenever they say they are not a feminist i say that it means you don't believe in the potential of women and so what do you call it then you, you hear them begin to stammer and they're like no well i think women are not and feminists they are you know they believe that because in africa in many african countries they believe that a feminist is a person that she she's either she she was either supposed to marry and then she's single, you know, those kinds of conversations, or she's a divorcee and she can never find a husband. You know, they always tend to, you see, this is what it means to be centering men's experiences inside the um, issues of women, in, inside the conversations that women are supposed to be having. And so it's just really complicated. But I think that another reason also is that I feel like before you, not just before you, but I think that as women and as people that identify as feminists, as, as a feminist, I think that we need to keep um, educating ourselves just the same way you just edit, like, um, informed me now about, like, new Black feminists that I should be looking up to. And so I think that it's one thing to say I'm a feminist, it's another thing to actually understand what that ideology means. And mm -hmm. so that you don't misconstruct it when you go out there or you don't misuse it. For example, 
because I think that feminism can be misused in the sense that you say, oh, you know when, so I've been thinking about the politics of feminism in the sense that you are playing a feminist card game, that kind of conversations where you only use feminism where it works for you. I think those kind of conversations like that. So if, for example, you tell women that, oh, I think you shouldn't, maybe like who pays on a date it should be a choice definitely many things should, feminism is about choice but at the same time i don't think that you should don't don't preach what you cannot practice mm -hmm. and so i think this is like when i'm keeping talking about like the politics of people that misconstructs an ideology and only uses when it favors them that kind of conversation so but definitely I think that, what do you call it, patriarchy is even one of the reasons why men think that, what do you call it, why men think that, have this um, negative stereotype about feminist or feminism in itself. And then you see that men, men tend to be um, insecure when um, there, there's a movement or an ideology that would, um, that would that would um shake their position in the society. I think that's when they become worried, and I think that they are worried about what feminists can do, the kind of developments that they can bring to um to um the society. So yeah, yeah, I think that um I think that it says a lot that um the this second wave of Black Lives Matter is catching on. And you just mentioned that men are afraid of the changes that um, feminists and women can bring to society. And right now, the major voices and the, the people I see organizing and I've met organizing um, in the movement are Black women and queer voices. And I think that says a lot, you know? Yes, definitely. And so you, you just realize that even when it comes to problems, like, so... I, I like Patricia Hill Collins because she talks about the, the ways that women, that black women are being marginalized. And so she talks about the ways that, for example, um, she says that most of the time, black women are not just marginalized in terms of gender or, and they, they are marginalized. They, they have, she calls this, I think, double, this kind of like double marginalization whereby they're marginalized in terms of gender and race. And I think like the way she put it was so beautiful because it's, it's just like important to see the ways that, for example, you speak about black men and then white women. And so she talks about their own kind of marginalization, which is different from her own kind of marginalization. And then you see that in many social movements, black women and queer, and queer people are at the forefront like I have that like that question. Like, why is it that it's always black women and queer people that are always at the forefront of of various uh, movements? Like it's just, and yet when it comes to issues about us, you hardly see people fighting for yeah. us or with us rather. You understand? So it's just it it just talks about the 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 status or the ways that other agents in society think about queer and black women or yeah queer and black bodies rather so it's just yeah, yeah i think that um 
I think that when it comes to black men and white women, I think that they understand where they are on the totem pole of power. So um, they don't always want to let that go. Meanwhile, us, we are lower, pretty much the lowest, um, not the lowest, but because we're so intersectioned in all these marginals in society, um, we don't have that much power to lose. And if we're going to fight for anything, all we have is a gain. Um, that's, that's my opinion on that. Um, I do have one more question. I do have to let you go though very soon. Uh, the sun comes up at 3.30 a.m. here. So um, I have about 23 minutes left um, before the, uh, the sun starts to, to rise here. But um, what to you, what does it mean to be a, um, a Black Africana feminist in 2020? Ooh, okay. Um, let me say, I, I've only really thought about this. I think that what it means to be a Black Africana feminist, I think one of the things, or well, one of the reasons, rather, why I started this was I want to see a lot of educated Black women. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that, like, I'm interested in seeing. Like, I want a lot of women to be in politics those kind of conversations, women to have their own financial resources, women to be um, not just educators, but um, what do you call it? What can women do outside of that educational space? This is because when I think about the people that are in my class, I realize that many of them are not from art and humanities. They are from engineering departments, they are from architecture. And so those kind of economics and so like I'm really excited about this because I think that what it means to be an African 2020 is to to empower a lot of um women of African descent to to reach beyond the sky kind of conversation. Like this is like I don't know, I think I haven't really thought about this question, but I think this is something for me to think about because this is a really, really beautiful question. But yes, and I'm also, I think what it also means for me to be an Africana feminist is to understand the merge theory and practice. Because I feel like the fact that I'm an academic does not mean that I cannot have conversations outside of that academic space. And I think that as an academic, I realized that there are lots of beautiful things or beautiful conversations that are taking place. And I think that many of the people that should be involved in this kind of conversations are women, particularly from low-income communities, rural areas. Because when you, when you look at the origin of organizing, you realize that market women have been at the forefront of activism. But then what does it mean for somebody to write about activism? Whose voices do we listen to? And so what I'm interested in is, in is how do we merge these voices together so that you can understand that as an academic, there are people out there actually like in... Thank you guys so much for listening. Also, thank you to Nefemi for coming on the show. This was her first time doing this, anything like this, and it was 
such a good time. If you want to reach out to her, you can follow her on Twitter. Um, and it is at Nifeminist. So that is N-I-F-E-M-I-N-I-S-T. I hope I got that right. But if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me anywhere at T for the Queen. Um, remember to like, share, um, I was going to say subscribe. Well, yeah, subscribe Um, and leave a review. I hope you guys are having a great day and I really hope you guys are staying healthy in the midst of um, 2020. Have a great day. Powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.